Do you drink coffee, Carrie? No. No, I drink water. So you're not a caffeine person? No. I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't want to see you hopped up on caffeine because you're like a pretty focused, high energy person, and you more focused and more high energy would be kind of terrifying. <laughs> This is more the season of eggnog, and this is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast, episode 49. That number's getting kind of big. Airing December 25th, 2022. Merry Christmas. I'm blind and I'm hosting this episode, (laughs) and we are joined by our resident holiday enthusiast, Tootie Kiri. I couldn't hold back. I'm I'm great. I'm so happy. You're you're, you're happy? Why why are you happy? Because it's Christmas. Well, for me, by the time people listen to this, it's already past Christmas because we celebrate on the 24th. But it's my favorite time of the year. I'm happy. <laughs> and uh, fellow holiday enjoyer, uh, Sui, is also here oh, on this hi. episode. How's mm-hmm. things? Uh, things are chill, which is nice, honestly. Um, I'm not really doing anything for Christmas, but then I'm going and visiting my uh, family for New Year's, which... Uh, a little spook, but that <laughs> eh, can't be so bad. I mean, as scary as yeah, family I mean... can be, that's that's what alcohol is for at the holidays. Am I right? Um... That's why you spike the eggnog. <laughs> I, like that's how you survive the holidays. We're also staying at an Airbnb instead of at my parents' house. Okay, so yeah. that'll that's, help. That's good. you know we have. We have control over how much we see them. If things are getting overbearing, we don't have to be around them. Smart. The the easiest way to put this is there's large parts of my extended family that... It's not that I don't get along with them. They're fine. They're just exhausting to be around, and I don't want to talk with half of them. (laughs) So it's like whenever I'm at like actual family get-togethers, it's like, all right, where's the 24-pack of cheap beer? (laughs) They're just sitting next to that. okay. My family gatherings, you got one table that's talking about Star Wars, another table talking about Disney, you got a table talking about politics and how left-wing they are, even though they're not that left-wing, but that's a different conversation, Um, and then another group talking about cars, and one final group talking about gardening. My extended family, it's like, there's the politics group, then there's the people shouting over the politics group. About different politics that, and why the politics group is wrong. <laughs> and then there's the, the then that group also kind of melds into just talking about cars and dirt biking and camping and sometimes guns and uh, like alcohol and uh, why their investments in uh, poor, dumb things that you shouldn't be investing money in NFTs uh, failed horribly. And uh, why, like, dem- like not upkeeping your house for decades at a time and then, like, trying to sell it to the city to be demoed to have a condo built on it is a great idea when eight of your neighbors agree to demo the whole block. And then three of the neighbors pull out and then the city goes, that's not actually in a condo zone, so we couldn't demo it in the first place. And then he gets all mad at the city for not letting him demo his house that he refused to upkeep for months. It's like, I just... Throw my hand. I'm actually really mm. happy that half of them are just not vaccinated and we're just, like, ignoring them <laughs> for this year. It's great. <laughs> That's ugh. so my my holiday this year is gonna be like me, my aunt. We're gonna try and go see my Oma tomorrow if it's not still freezing rain. It's gonna be pretty low key. My sister and her husband might come over from the island. That'll be nice. I've got a Discord call with my little sister in Quebec later today, so it'll be nice and quiet this year. 
But our venting about scary holidays aside, Kiri, what do you usually do on the holidays? So, Mr. and I were going to go to my parents, where my parents are, my sister and aunt and grandparents. And we're going to have a nice, a nice chill celebration, which is always... Ah. I just like it. I don't know. It's not really anything special, but, you know, we've got a tree and then we stand around it and we sing songs and we also sing Last Christmas because I, I want to. And everybody rolls their eyes, but we still do. I love it. It's better than singing White Christmas. Now, we usually sing, um, what's it? Silent Night in German. Okay. And yeah. and then we oh. sing The Little, little Drummer Boy because that's kind of a family tradition and i always wish for last christmas and and by that time my grandma is so impatient that she she already starts handing out presents because she doesn't want to wait <laughs> and i miss got good food and just i don't know it's, it's always nice it might get a bit heated with politics yes because that always happens and then you know this person who streams for a living like what's that kind of a job but other than that it's gonna be really nice I miss then. having family gatherings for Christmas, but my grandparents got too old, so. Mm. Yeah, they're still alive. They're just too old. At, at, Does at that make last, sense? Yeah, I, 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 know, I know what you mean. Like, my, my, my grandparents are like, can, or my both of my grandmothers on both sides are like, basically the way it works now is like, if you want to do something with them, we have to go to them. So the initial plan yeah. was like, we were yeah. actually going to go to my grandma's house, but then we got like 35 centimeters of snow. <laughs> <laughs> like so everything sh- like there it. is there is so much snow outside it is ridiculous and it's freezing rain on top of it now so it's like we're kind of all just looking outside going yeah no that's not happening also now maybe nothing's happening because like i don't know if anybody's gonna get anywhere so we'll, we'll see if anything even happens but mm. we had plans to go to my in-laws on the 25th because that's what we usually do first we're gonna spend the actual christmas of my parents and then on 25th, we go to my in-laws and then spend a couple of days there. But now my sister-in-law has COVID and she's already there. So we're not going anymore. And now Mystery's really sad because obviously he was looking forward to spending Christmas with his family as well. But not this year. The the last like normal, I, I, I kind of, there, there is one thing like about the way the world is now is things are less crazy, at least in my family, which I kind of like. Like previously... The last big year of Christmas get-togethers that I did was 2019, and it was like Christmas Eve at one side of the family's house, Christmas Day at the loud side of the family's house, Boxing Day with a grandparent, video calls the day after with extended family. And it was like this four-day thing, and now it's like, all right, I got video calls one day, maybe a get-together if the weather holds up. (laughs) Two days later, done. Like just much it's easier. More, and... It's a bit more relaxed, isn't it? Yeah. And just uncomplicated. Yeah. I mean, don't get to see everybody, but like I said earlier, you don't always want to see everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was always just like awkwardly sitting by my, like, kind of just by myself in a way whenever I was at family gatherings, because like I just didn't have anyone in the family I vibed with, so I'd just be sitting there and everyone would be mad at me for not interacting, and then they'd go back to topics I don't care about, and I was just like yeah, so you want me to interact? Kiri, I got a question. Like, do you ever get Mm -hmm. interrogated by extended family, or like 
get weird questions about what you do for a living, being a streamer and all? No, not at all. So my family's not really big. Like, we're going to see extended family probably um, early next year. But they know what I do. They probably also don't care. Like, you know, I don't know. They're probably going to ask, hey, how's it going? And I'm going to tell them some some of the cool things that happened. But no. Okay. Like, and I, then my, gone. my my grandparents, who really don't understand what I'm doing, they also don't interrogate me, interrogate me because they don't understand what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I think the way I ended up explaining it to both my grandparents was just like, or my, both my grandmothers was just, I, I'm like a, a radio host, except on the internet. And they're like, mm. yeah, okay. Yeah. And like, that, that's... that basically solved it. <laughs> but... That's what? more, that's simpler than how I explained it. I literally went to my grandparents. I was like, so you know how TV is live sometimes? I oh, kind of yeah. do that, but on the internet, and that's what I do. You're like yeah. mini Letterman. I, don't, I just don't understand. You don't know who Letterman is? No. How did you miss, you live in North America, and you don't know who David Letterman is? Okay, I don't. Who's, he who's rings that? a bell. He's like one of the biggest uh, American talk show hosts in like modern history. <laughs> but I don't uh, pay, Okay, I don't do names. So one thing about me is I do not know who names at all. It takes me forever to remember any kind of name at all. And but like, it's the name of his show, the David Letterman show. So I'm gonna sit down and watch. I don't Letterman. know. Okay. I never <laughs> sat down and watched it. Maybe it's a generational thing. You know, it probably is. It's probably just making me feel old. I mean, I he, he has a Netflix <laughs> he has a Netflix show now called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction, where he just interviews celebrities, and it's a really good interview show, and I like watching it because I think it's educational as someone who's fascinated by, about interviewing people, and he's a very 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 good inter interviewer, um, even if sometimes mm. his I want to slap his guests, um, but like you mm -hmm. know, it's it's an interesting show, and he he's a very good talk show host, but that's that's irrelevant. <laughs> I never tangent. watch talk shows. I just, I guess, like, by the time I was at age where I would have watched it, instead, I was on the internet. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, that's how I watched Letterman was on the internet. I definitely just found old episodes on YouTube, but <laughs> I'm, I'm also a strange person. Um, spe speaking of strange people, uh, do, do any of us have, like, any good memories from when we were little at Christmas? that we could talk about on here? Because I think that might be a fun little themed thing. Yeah. Oh, I Absolutely. have something. You go ahead. You, you start. Yeah. Um. I remember, so one year I asked my dad, like I asked my parents for something big. I don't fully remember what it was. I think it might have been a mattress, like a nice mattress instead of having like a cheap one, you know? And, um... I remember my dad literally sent me on a scavenger hunt with little presents everywhere until he finally led me to the garage where it was. It might not have been a mattress. I don't remember what it was that year. It was something big. And we just did a scavenger hunt where there was just presents all over the place, all over the house. And eventually it led me to the garage. Cool. That's so nice. Little scavenger hunts are fun. Mm-hmm. Gary, do you have anything? Oh. Guys, oh. I want to wear. Do you have a second? My one? dad and I also would like kind of um, 
prank each other by doing our presents weirdly. So, like, we'd, like, triple wrap it or we'd, like, put it in a box, wrap the box, put another box, wrap that box over and over <laughs> for, like, you know, just for, like, a gift card. So, it's tiny. You can fit in a tiny little thing. And so, it'd be this massive box and then eventually become, like, a little gift card. Um, my dad, it became, like, a meme. Um, he was really particular about how he opened presents. He had to nicely take the bow off, then unwrap it at the tape, not ripping the paper at all. And so I would, like, quadruple wrap his present. <laughs> 45 minutes later, still unwrapping the same present. Yep. Yeah. It was so good. I love that. <laughs> I haven't even wrapped my dad's gift yet. But go on, Carrie. Yeah, so my my thing is that when my sister and I were little, my mom made made bags for us for our presents with our names on top and, and decoration stuff. And those bags were ginormous when I was a kid. And to this day, we still use them. So whatever we wish for for Christmas, and it's gotten considerably less as we grow older and we're just able to buy the things that we wanted. But mom always makes sure that there's something in there, like just socks or, I don't know, my favorite crisps or something. Uh, the bags are not that big anymore, but we still have them. It's just always always really nice to have that kind of tradition. And so last year for Christmas, my sister and I actually stepped into those bags and they I think they reached our knees or something, like maybe mid-thigh. Um, and we, we took photos of that, just at us in our present bags. It was really nice. Did anyone else have like a special Christmas morning meal? Um, we we do Christmas evening, so no. Yeah, I like, so my my family was weird growing up because we like my family's largely German and Irish culturally. So we very much mm-hmm. and we also have like a good chunk of Dutch in there. So we kind of like co-opted all of the Christmas religions. So we did like St. Nick's Day at the beginning of December, which is like the Dutch thing. And then, mm. which, like, we'd put our shoes outside. We had, like, these little wooden shoes we'd put outside mm-hmm. um, or just our snow boots or whatever. And um, mom and dad would fill those up with candy and sometimes some tiny little toys. <laughs> like, I'd get one of those little $5 Lego sets. So we'd do, like, some small gifts at the beginning of December. And then uh, Christmas Eve, we would do all of our family stuff, usually. All of our, like, family. We'd, we'd do, like, a, a nice dinner. And it was, like, you'd wait all day. And then in the evening, we'd uh, unwrap gifts and then Christmas morning, capitalism would take over, and we'd get, air quotes, Santa's gifts. So we'd get the big gifts the next morning. So we'd get the practical, nice little family things the night before. And, like, we'd all share gifts. We'd gift, give gifts to mom and dad and whatnot. And uh, sometimes we'd have a family member come over, but generally it was, like, just, just us doing our stuff. And then Christmas morning uh, was just, like, a challenge for all of us kids to not wake mom and dad up because we weren't allowed to open gifts up until mom and dad got up and we ate breakfast. Yep. Which yep. was like, and we weren't allowed to wake them up. So we'd just like get out there and we'd be sitting out there from like 6 a.m. until like 11 in the morning when mom and dad would wake up. <laughs> and then we'd make pancakes. And then we'd open up Santa's gifts. And it was, that was fun. So mine was similar. Um, Christmas Eve, we went to my grandma's house. Grandma's house where we'd have like 40 family members there. And it was just this huge celebration. Uh, we had food. It was just a potluck thing. And we opened gifts. So that was gifts from the extended family. So it was my grandma's gift and then any extended family who gifts. I think, like, kids under eight all received a gift from everyone who attended. Um, And it was usually just, like, a cheap little thing or, like, a candy or something, you know. It wasn't much. And then um, 
Christmas morning, uh, we'd wake up and we'd start by opening up all the presents that my parents gave, which was, you know, the big cool stuff. And then we'd have waffles, but specifically we would put frozen berries on it. We would put whipped cream on it. So it was like this really fancy. Oh, and we also had, um, oh, what's it called? Sparkling, sparkling apple cider. And it was just, it was fun. We used to do like eggnog and stuff the night before usually. Like My family's allergic to dairy 20- though. On the 23rd. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, so we did sparkling apple cider. That's nice. I'm trying to imagine a sparkling apple cider that isn't alcoholic, and I don't think I can. <laughs> it's just spark- It's just basically apple juice that's fizzy. Yeah, but that's not apple cider. But, but I won't, okay, I won't okay, start so just being a weird elitist. But apple juice. <laughs> it just sounds like apple soda to me, but... That's... I don't know. Maybe it is just apple soda, but it's called something different here. Probably, but just sounds like an odd flavor palette to me. But yeah, I don't know. I think the one thing I'm I'm like kind of bummed about this year is like while I do get driven insane by parts of my extended family, I have two cousins who are. Um, I, I think of them as little kids, but like one of them like just graduated high school and has a girlfriend and is working full time. And then the other one is like just graduating high school. But I think of them as like five-year-olds. Um, but, uh, cause they're like, you know, like 15 years younger than me in, in one case, but, um, they, uh, they're obsessed with the fact that I stream full time, but like won't admit it. So every single time they encounter me, they just like act really weird around me and then suddenly start asking questions about my job. And then my uncle always comes over to me and says, make sure that they don't decide they want to do what you do for a living as like, (laughs) as in, as if I'm some sort of like failure and like bad influence. And he like, he doesn't say it in a nice way. It's always like, make sure you discourage them from making poor decisions and stuff like that. It's like, dude, (laughs) but like, I kind of, because of how much my streams grown in the past month, I kind of wish I could just go over there and be like, yeah, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that would be nice that reminded me though that mystery's cousin is really fascinated with what i do and and he asks questions like very very smart questions and interested ones but then you obviously he understands what i do yeah Mm -hmm. And, and, and then there's my my other cousin on the other side who actually tried streaming quite a bit throughout the pandemic and built up a pretty little like good decent little following on fact is factorio streams but he just kind of fell off which kind of makes me sad because his streams mm-hmm. are actually pretty good but mm-hmm. just kind of is what it is but anyway um this has been a really long intro uh i i think that we're gonna <laughs> go to a real quick break here and then when we come back we're gonna talk about the games that we've been playing this week so uh we'll be back right after this And we're back with episode 49 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Uh, we're going to be covering the games that we've been playing this week, which happens to be a bit of Dwarf Fort, some Project Zomboid, and a few other things. So uh, I'm going to toss this off to Kiri first. Uh, how's your experience with Dwarf Fortress been? It's been great, honestly. So I need to say it here as well, because I think I said in the Discord, and, and I keep mentioning your name on stream, but thank you very much, Blind, for the tutorials. I haven't watched all of them yet, but the the handful that I watched, they helped so much because otherwise 
yes, the game has a tutorial. There's also the section where you can just read up on things, but I'm not going to sit there reading on stream the whole time. So I haven't looked at that at all. And without your videos, I would have no clue what to do. So that's very much needed. Uh, and with that, like, I mean, every time I play, I learn something new, either by a mistake. <laughs> so I, I do something and it's not working out. And I sit there for four hours trying to figure out why it doesn't work. And together with chat, we figure it out. And then it's like, ah, oh, I, that's my fault. I did that wrong. <laughs> but it's, it's just, that's, that has been my experience with Dwarf Fortress. So I make a mistake and then I spend hours not realizing there's a mistake. Then I spend hours fixing it. And I'm like, yeah, that's really cool. It feels so rewarding though. I mean, because like, once you figure out, yeah. I was going to say, even I'm not like immune to that, right? I spent a half a day building a massive pump stack, but uh, what that is is kind of irrelevant. But I spent a, like a whole day basically just stacking pumps so I could pump lava from like on like the deepest part of the map all the way to the surface. And it was like a day that I spent digging it out, and then I realized I had one tile out, so I had to dig the whole thing out and rebuild the whole thing. <laughs> so it was like, oh, there goes two hours. Uh, but you know, yeah. once it's done, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so rewarding. <laughs> no, it's, it's been really, really cool. <laughs> I've only spent a couple hours on the game. Honestly, it's not my type of game, to be completely honest. But that's because, so, um, when I played RimWorld, I didn't play for, like, the individual stories. I more enjoyed the overarching or overarching thing where it was, like, you know, trying to defend off and you know, the actual events that happened rather than, like, going into the lore, if that makes sense. I'm just I not a lore person. I have a question. How deep did you Yeah. Get? I did, and really, okay, I that's got, why. like... Literally, that's why. Um, dig. Dig, dig, dig. dig, dig I got dig, dig, to dig. a cavern. Okay, I got to a cavern, cavern, and then my chat... And then my chat was like, you need to, like, block it off. You're no, not you ready don't. to deal with it yet. If you want to fight, if you want the game to throw stuff at you, go to the caverns, and build in the caverns. If you want the game to throw See, stuff at you, settle next to a necromancer tower. Because there's... I didn't even know how to do anything. See, he, I didn't watch and, any tutorials. I and, just and, went. And this is <laughs> this is one like one of the things that I, I don't think is frustrating about people. Like I get it. If you play the game and you bounce off, that's fine. But what bothers me is when people dismiss it on the, oh, it doesn't do this thing. It's like, well, it can do that thing. You just have to make it do that thing. Yeah, if you want, is, yeah, but, you don't know but, how. Yeah, because the and game that, doesn't that, tell you how, so it's something that you need to know. Not necessarily. The game does tell you how. The, the game tells you to dig deeper. So dig deeper. I mean, yeah, it, it does say that. So yeah, I dig don't know. Deeper. It just, I don't know. It just, it didn't really seem too much like something okay. I was too interested in. So just, just realize not, that okay, that okay, okay. game is there. I know. I know, and I'll probably take a bigger, deep at, like look at it when I'm done with Zomboid, but the thing is, is, I'm not done with Zomboid right now, and, like, to me, from my first initial impression, that game is, like, lore and a city builder. That's what it felt like, and those are two genres I'm just like... <laughs> I get that, but you don't have to be into... Um, um, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that, but you don't have to be into the lore to enjoy the game because I had people come into chat and ask me if I if I read I, I don't know everything about my dwarfs and stuff I'm like no 
And then they say, oh, but you have to. I was like, no, I don't have to. I don't, I don't care. You don't have to do anything. Right? I, I, like, if there's something happening, like they engrave something, then I might read the engraving if, if it's just one thing. Or if they, if they make one of their, uh, I'm not sure if it's a legendary item, but when they go into one of their dwarf moods and then they go to a crafting station and craft something, then they produce this thing and it's got text. And then I read that because that I find interesting. It's like, if we want to compare this to RimWorld again, which we also probably shouldn't, then you, you craft a legendary and you read that description, right? And that's fun, but you don't have to read everything the game throws at you. You can also just have fun, I don't know, building something, digging deep or fighting. My thing I think is, I feel like adventure mode will probably be more of what I want because mm -hmm. I'm just not huge on building, right? Yeah. I didn't play RimWorld to build. I would, I did like the bare minimum I could get away with Here's in RimWorld when it came to building. You don't need to build in Dwarf Fort. <laughs> You you have to dig out a, a space for your dwarves to sleep, sure. But like, if they ask you to make a guild hall, you can just say no and just not do it. Your dwarves will get mad and they'll start killing each other after a bit. But what? that's part of the fun if that's what you want, right? <laughs> like, mm. Dwarf Fortress is a game about doing what you want to do. And if what you want to do is, oh, you're mad at me, dwarf? Okay, I'm going to drop you into a volcano now. You can do that. <laughs> right? Like, if you it's just really want to cool. be... Got a maniacal monster person. You can absolutely do that. And the game gives you all of the tools to do that. But yeah, like, you've got so many stated, possibilities. The game just doesn't tell you how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my issue. And like, I'm just, I'm not a tutorial person, you know? I just, I just want to do the thing. I don't want to like spend forever learning how to do the thing. Well, if I don't know how... Use your creativity. But, and the, the nice thing about Dwarf Fortress is the way the game works, theoretically, if something should work, it will probably work. Like, as an example of theoretically, if something should work, I'm building minecart shotguns in my map right now, right? Which includes putting a minecart at the top of a very big hill, right? Throwing that minecart down the really big hill onto a flat floor one level below the bottom part of the hill, right? Then it hits a fortification, which is basically just a wall with holes in it, and I'm throwing glass discs, statues, and uh, giant metal spiky balls out of that window directly at whatever happens to be standing there. Uh, an army of enemy elves, an army of enemy dwarves, an army of enemy goblins, my own dwarves, whatever happens to be there at the time will get obliterated into a lot of tiny pieces. I love that. And is that an official mechanic or a thing the game will even tell you is possible? No. But because that's how physics works, it works. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's very much a creative sandbox in a tool set, right? RimWorld is a very strict set of rules that hands you a toy once every five minutes. This game gives you a box of toys. Hmm. But you have to select the toy. Very you want. complicated toys. Yeah, might, and I'm also just not. I'm not that much of a creative uh, gamer, if that makes sense. I like just having more structure. I think might be also my issue. I like having a lot of structure. You know, I like games where it then gives me a quest for the and I go home. do the thing. Increase your value. Get the queen. Blind is really trying to sell you to a fortress. I'm, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm just stating that all <laughs> no, of the stuff are. is there. <laughs> it's all there. It's just a matter of mm. having the willingness to do it. And if you don't have the willingness to do that, that's fine. We don't need to have this yeah. conversation anymore. 
<laughs> the thing is, my my problem with it is that several times now it's happened where I was looking for something and chat was explaining it to me, which was great because without without chat, I wouldn't have understood it in the first place. But they tried to explain something to me and say, you know, click that button. Like that, there is no button. And then <laughs> and then they just read the script, you know. Click on this. So I'm like, that's not a button. And then I click it and apparently it's a button. And it's hmm. like, yes, there is a graphic graphical user interface now. But it's sometimes really bad. As in, it's not a button. This is not visually a button. Like, how are you supposed to click to know to click there? It's just anyway. <laughs> so I've had trouble several times doing something even with an explanation because i just didn't know that i could click that yeah i mean i i've talked about this on other episodes of this podcast but uh like me getting this ui especially four days early uh was a test of my own patience because i know how to play dwarf fortress and i know what every menu does and it was literally a matter of I need this particular specific screen. And then like DMing people that were in the beta for the last six months going, where is this screen? <laughs> like, where did they, how, where did they put yeah. the delete walls button? Oh, it's, it's connected to this other button. Oh, so they, cause like there used to be three different buttons to delete things. Now there's two, but like the second mm -hmm. one isn't explained very well. And yeah. it's like, I like, it took me 30 minutes to figure out how to, how to remove constructed walls, which it's way longer than it should have. And there's definitely like quirks to it. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's a graphical interface for an ASCII game, which, you know, I'll, I'll use an example. I learned a game called Caves of Cud, largely by myself. And Caves of Cud was, with their original UI, it's more intuitive now with the new UI. But with the original UI, it, like literally I just called my stream Caves of Key Bindings and... 80% of the first two streams I did of that game was just me looking at key bindings and like being like, wait, what was that hockey? What menu is that in? Where is that menu? And it's like, so for me, that's part of the learning curve of playing a game like this. Mm -hmm. But I, that's just wired into my brain, right? So I, I, when I sit down with a, a new game that I know has been in development for a billion years and is super obtuse and has a weird control scheme, I expect the first five to 10 hours just be me going, hold on, where was that menu? But yeah. not everybody's built for that, and that's I, I get that, and I understand why people bounce off because of that. Yeah, no, that's yeah, not well, for me. Honestly, if I went stream, if I hadn't been streaming at that point, I would have rage quit. I would have so rage quit. I was so mad at the game. I can but, I ask what screen was it? Yeah, so it was. It it was that was the military squad. Okay. Yeah. Um. So so first of all, I deleted the uniforms. All right. Because because you you go to equip. I think you go to equip and then you can select uniforms and I think you've got 3 or 2. There's a leather one and a metal one. Uh -huh. And yeah, I there's... did watch your tutorial the, the like couple hours before, but I didn't really look at why you were clicking. And so it says leather and then next to it you have a field and it's crossed out with a red cross. I thought, "All right, I'm going to click there." To, to make it a green tick and just tick it, but that is the delete button. And and my slow brain was so slow that I tried it with the with the metal uniform too. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, that didn't work. Something happened, but I didn't register what happened. So delete the second one too. Yep. Yeah, no. And then there's no way to get them back unless you Yeah, and then you can't get them back. Squad. And it was I was so mad. 
And the other thing also with a military squad was um, the schedule. Because you can have different schedules. And and first of all, I got really frustra- frustrated with having to change them. Because I, I thought I needed to change them. And then somebody says, you don't have to change the schedule for every month. Just click on the other, the I don't know, set thing for the year. So instead of sometimes they're off duty, just make them train all year. And I didn't realize you could actually click on the heading. That, that was not a button. Yeah. Or maybe it wasn't, no, it wasn't a heading. A it was just inside that, that table, really. And that is so frustrating. I mean, now I know, and it's totally okay, and I'm I'm glad I stuck with it. But that had me almost rage quit. Yeah, uh, the the kind of funny thing about the military screen is imagine that, but like eight thousand times more obtuse. Yeah, I that's don't what wanna, the old military honestly, screen like, was. <laughs> and then there was also more screens too originally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, to like get into each individual different type of weapon now like it's actually quite easy to make new uniforms now it used to be like okay capital a for armor all right what type scroll through like 50 different menus to find the right type of armor okay select the right type of armor sweet now capital h for helms all right let's scroll through and yeah no Mm -hmm. i no i understand that they made it easier in certain ways and I'm, I'm very happy that I've got the user interface and mouse controls and stuff. That's, that's absolutely amazing. And I also know that it's not finished yet. It's just that 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 was annoying. It's Dwarf very Fortress. Everything's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. But also, once again, once you figure out how it works, it is so rewarding. You know, it, this is the only game that's ever made me physically jump out of my chair with excitement the first time I successfully built a door. <laughs> But that was also in the old version of the game, so that's much yeah. more intuitive now and probably an easier task to complete um, yeah. than in, you know, <laughs> the older version. That's, that's great. But I, it, it is it is kind of a, how, how do I explain this? It, it's, it's extraordinarily rewarding to see people who, I think like the people that are really biting on and really enjoying the game are people who have been reading about Dwarf Fortress and already have that willingness to put the time in to get past that curve, right? Um, mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. I would say that RimWorld, learning RimWorld is actually a very similar difficulty curve now because it's just a matter of learning the UI. And once you've learned the UI, you can play the game. Um, the difference between learning RimWorld and learning Dwarf Fortress is then you need to learn what to play in the game. Um, yeah. And that requires, well, as the game says, digging deeper. But at the same time, and this is not, I'm, I swear I'm not just criticizing Sui. Like, don't don't get mad at me. <laughs> but it's like, and, and, and this is not something that every person is going to be willing to do, right? And, you know, on the fir- within the first few days uh, of the game being released, I had a couple people pile into my chat saying, I was just watching, insert streamer name here, and they just said that the game was boring and stopped playing. I was like, well, what did they do? And it's like, well, okay, they built doors. Sweet, great. They, they got some bedrooms up and running. Cool, sweet. And then they got farming up and running. Okay, cool. And then they waited for two years and built a bunch of ballistas. Oh, so they were waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which theoretically could happen, but also depending on where you settle in the world, nothing could yeah. happen. Like, right, yeah. if you settle on that cute little desert island in the middle of nowhere that's not connected to anything and has nobody living on it, 
there might be a dragon on that island. There might be a titan on that island. There might be some kobolds on that island, maybe. There might be nothing, right? Um, there might not even be, like, animals that are a threat. And if you if you dig down to the cavern layers, then everything's interconnected, and then you could get forgotten beasts. You could get the underground creatures attacking you. You could get um, other things coming from down there. Um, but if you just settle in, like, kind of a... like there, there, There's a line in the Dwarf Fortress community, which is new players live in dirt, uh, old players live in stone. Um, because <laughs> you never dig very deeply the first few times you play. And that's, I mean, I, I was the same way when I first started playing the older versions. And granted, I was determined to learn the game, but in the older versions, like, I never dug very deep, ever. Because it was like, all right, I'm going to yeah. dig down like three layers, maybe deep enough to hit like the first few rock layers or just like some clay layer and I'll start building that. But... I, I've also like when, when you see people complaining about like the size of the maps and stuff, it's like, okay, how deep have you dug? Because you can set the map to be the smallest possible map setting and it's still like exponentially bigger than any other city builder I've ever played. Yeah. Oh, I, I've got to say something. I, I did something really cool because in Dual Fortress you have the set levels and that's just a such a different way of thinking because I've played so many colony builders and city builders and then, yeah, maybe you've got. A set level up like in timberborn for example but then to a fortress it's just so much deeper and yeah I, and deeper in any case so i was really proud because i built my storage rooms and then in the middle i had stairways going down did i say storage i meant crafting rooms anyways so crafting rooms stairs in the middle and then below that is the storage room and i think that's so cool and i was so proud of it because it's just so smart in, I, I don't know if it's smart into a fortress ways, but they they don't have to walk super long distances to go from on the same level from point A to point B. But they just, you know, take two steps, go down the stairs, two steps, and then they grab what they need and they go up again. And it's just, that's really cool, but it requires such a different way of thinking for me at least. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's interesting because like Belenair set up kind of the same thing once because uh, a couple of years ago, Belenair, uh, I think it was after Villains Part 1 came out at the end of twenty. 21 and we're at some point Bellinair dove in and was playing some of the older versions uh 47.0.5 mm -hmm. and uh that's literally the exact same thing he did like he had like <laughs> a layer of workshops and then underneath each workshop was a stockpile associated with that workshop and yeah. one layer above each workshop was the material that they needed so they would jump up one layer grab the material jump down the layer to the workshop and then go down a layer to where it was stored and then he had like different wheelbarrow routes that were taking from all those lower stockpiles to a bigger, more central stockpile. And it's like, yeah, you can almost make this game into Factorio if you want, because it does allow for that level of specificity and that level of direct engineering and min-maxing if you want to do that. Yeah. Or you can just be like me and completely ignore all that stuff and have a super ineffective, inefficient fortress and everybody yells at you and it's fine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but that works too. Because I I just like watching the dwarves break things. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I... Yeah, I, I, that's been fun. Yeah, at the end of the day, like, I'm I'm not trying to sell anybody in particular on the game, but I, I will say that it hurts my soul a little bit when people say that the game doesn't do a thing, when it very much does do a thing. You just that's have fair. to look for the thing. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't want to play it, that's totally fine. But... Dwarf Fortress is the granddaddy of Minecraft for a reason. If in Minecraft all you ever do 
is chop down a tree and build a house and hide in it at night. Game's pretty boring. Yeah. Like, Minecraft is one of the coolest games, realistically, uh, of our generation, really, and probably just as important as Dwarf Fortress in a lot of ways. Um, and certainly massively influential amongst kids. But it does require a little bit of ingenuity and a little bit of interest in seeking out the things that you can do in that game. And I'm just talking about the vanilla game. I'm not even talking about mods, right? Mm. Um, like if all you, if you never, like now there's like, you know, villagers and towns and stuff. If you don't ever go interact with the villagers and towns, if you don't like really explore, if you don't dig down and find diamonds, if you don't build a gate to the nether, it's like the game doesn't, even Minecraft, like it has like that little clipbook thingy, but it doesn't really direct you to a lot of that stuff. You kind of have to seek it out and find it. And mm -hmm. Dwarf Fortress is very much that in a lot of ways. I mean, even something like Terraria as well, right? Like if you boot out all the visitors, don't make their house, don't make a house for them, never dig down and only build a house out of trees. Yeah, you'll get bored. Yeah. You, you have sure to can. reach out and do the thing, right? But yeah, no, it makes sense. It's just, it, it is a little bit soul crushing for me as somebody who really, really loves the game. Um, seeing, you know, several bigger streamers just go, oh, nothing happened. <laughs> Alt F4. Okay. Yeah, I get that. It's like, well, what are you expected? But but I hope it's also on the other side. On the other hand, a, a good feeling, good experience for you to see so many new people pick up the game now and, oh, and love it and enjoy it. I mean, the subreddit for Dwarf Fortress has grown by like forty thousand people, and it was like one hundred twenty thousand before. It's like one hundred sixty thousand now. Uh, the game sold very well and is continuing to sell. Obviously, it's slowed down a bit, but it's still selling. And uh, the people who like it really like it, and people who don't like it seem to be respectfully dismissive of its of it, which is generally pretty good. Um, you know, you don't really, you never like seeing people get mad at a game. Um, and it sold well enough that they just hired another programmer, which is like, as far as I'm concerned, some of the biggest like video game news this year. But <laughs> you know. It's the biggest yeah. video game news that won't get widely reported. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. The, the programmer that they hired is a very long-time modder of the game and is possibly one of the best people at finding bugs in the game uh, who's never seen the, the actual code itself. So the core community is ecstatic, and then there are some fringes around the edges that are like, why didn't you hire somebody famous? It's like, well, you want to hire somebody who knows the game. <laughs> That's oh, how definitely. You're actually yeah. get especially with done. a game like this. Yes, so... I'm very curious to see what comes of that. I'll just say that. Yeah, that's good news. It is. So is there anything shall, else? Shall we move on? Yeah, I was going to say, do we want to move on to Project Zomboid? <laughs> sure. All right, so lately I've been playing a lot of Project Zomboid. Um, it's kind of just the main game I play on stream right now. Sorry, I'm very distracted. The cat is being really cute, and I can see her out my window, and she's like, giving herself little scratches. Sorry. So, uh, oh Kinsey, Oh my gosh, Kiri. she's rolling around. <laughs> Sorry, what? Kiri, Kinsey. Uh, I'm, I, I'm talking about Kinsey now. Kinsey released. Yes. So, it is the, the first and actually also only game I ever backed. Oh, really? And it wasn't... Yeah, yeah, actually. And it wasn't early access for so many years. And now version one is out and it kind of came out of the blue a bit and they picked the same release date as Tall Fortress and I'm not sure why they did that because I think nobody really noticed because everybody was talking about Tall Fortress. 
but but Kin City is really cool. So it's a it's a very very beautiful pixel art game, and ah, oh, it's everything really. It's a life sim. It's an adventure game. It's an RPG. It's a also farming game, I suppose. It's it has rogue like elements in it as well. There's a, there's a turn based game mode. It's kind of what all of it, and it's super cool. You play the prologue for several hours, and you, you feel like, oh yeah, no, this is cool. This is a cute little life sim, and then it just compl- takes a completely different tone and gets really dark as well. And then it opens up. And you feel like this is kind of an open world sandbox game and I can do whatever I want. I can run a shop if I'd like to. I can just tend to my farm if I want to. I can um, have relationships with the other people in, in the town. You could marry if you'd like to and have children because the whole the whole point is that it's this fantasy world that kind of looks a bit medieval-like but is actually in the future and there's so many really funny reference to you know the ways of the past which is actually our time right now so it's a very a very funny witty and also punny game and uh, you're this character and you grow as in you grow old everybody just ages and you can make a pact with a fae for getting items that are super valuable and really helpful for gameplay but they cost life as in your your age basically so you make a pack with them and you lose five years of your life for example and Mm -hmm. but you get this item and it's really cool and it helps you continue playing and and the whole point is you have this kin seed which is a seed that you plant for a tree it's basically like your family tree so you grow older and maybe you start a relationship, maybe you don't, you tend to your farm, maybe you want to be a shopkeeper and there are different types of shop shops that you can purchase. And then either you tend to it on your own because you like to or you hire staff and then you just go about and adventure some more and explore the map. Or you go to the, to the forest and, and fight because there's then kind of a roguelike turn-based combat kind of sequence in it. Kind of just and, looks like our like a JRPG combat thing to me, but is it like uh, two, yeah. two rows of units and then smacking each other? Because that's just a JRPG combat. It's it's three rows, but it's yeah, that's yeah. JRPG combat. Yeah, it was a bit more more rogue like when when it was in early access still, but yeah, it's yeah, kind of. So it's not like you you select an attack or anything. We've got these different rows. And you can attack only the row that you're standing in or a diagonal one, diagonally adjacent. But in any case, so you grow. And then once it's your time to die, you can just say, or not really your time to die, but you can just say, okay, I'm done now with this character. Um, I want to uproot my kin seed, basically die, and let the next person in my family continue. And then you play as, as them. If huh. you have a child, oh. then you play as that child and continue on your legacy. If you don't, then you can adopt an orphan. And it's it's, interesting. It is really interesting. And then the obviously the longer you play and with more characters you play, the better they get. And it's so fascinating and there's so many aspects in it. And I've played several hours now, but I haven't even scratched the surface yet, I think. It's it's so vast. 
Yeah, and you can get so lost and also slightly overwhelmed because, you know, where do you start? I don't know. So I just, I, I bought a shop and I opened it and I did a, a combat thing a bit. And um, now I'm trying to do further relationships. And I don't know, it seems like courting is really difficult. But I'm not sure if that's just a joke because the game jokes a lot. So I'm not sure if that's a joke of the game or if it's really that difficult. Um, with several items that you need and you need to ask somebody on a date on a specific uh, day and time and I don't it's know. It's just like real but life. Kind of, yeah. Just in cute pixel art with really nice music. I'm just staring at screenshot six of 36 of just what looks like a cooking mini game. Yes, yes, there are mini games for, for the crafting that you can do. So you can I do cooking. It. They're mini games. They're, they're actually really fun. I do say though that they get tedious a bit if you have to cook the same recipe a lot. Um, then there is smithing. So there are different mini games for smithing as well. Um, for making potions and other medicine in the, in the apothecary. Um, I think that's all the mini games. I can't remember anymore now. There's also fishing in the game, but fishing works really nicely. So it's just you, you throw in, um, the fishing rod. Um, you see the shadow of the fish swim. And then you can, I don't know, wiggle with a rod or something to attract them. And then once they bite, you just reel it in. That's it. Also, thank you for reminding me. My friend informed me I have to buy Ultimate Fishing Simulator 2 because it's cheap. And so now I, I've purchased Ultimate Fishing Simulator 2. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Kinseed is, <laughs> is a lot of genres. And I really, really like it. That sounds either absolutely incredible or like a massive mess and I, I i for games i haven't played i i do stare at steam reviews and that seems to kind of be the impressions that people are getting from it they either like go this is like the best thing i've ever played or mm -hmm. this is too much and i don't like any of it and it yeah yeah it I is can, definitely I can a bit too why. much yes but but the cool thing is that you know if you don't care about farming you just don't do that Right? If you don't care about shopkeeping, then you just don't do that and you focus on something else and you can also experience the story because there is a story and just have fun with that. So, I have a, yeah. So you're, you're a completionist. Is this game I driving am, you insane? <laughs> well, not yet, but no, no, actually not. It was, it was a bit overwhelming when I, when I finished the prologue and I realized, wait, that's not the whole gameplay loop. There is so much more. But also I think it's really cool because there's so much to explore. Even though the map doesn't look that huge. But since everybody grows old and ages and then also dies, right? There's there's just new things to explore all the time. That's neat. I also and, and I one love its color palette. It's pretty looking. Yeah, it is. And one one thing that's really funny and to, to kind of give you an example of how the humor works in the game... Um, you have a pig and you can also get more pigs, but you have animals and there is a pig that you start with and you get in, you find a note very early on saying that the key ate, uh, the pig ate a key to a mine and you need to get the key. So the fruit trees and there are apples. And then sometimes you get a gassy apple. So you have to feed the pig, the gassy apple. And then due to the gas, it, it blows up like a balloon. And it flies. That's not where I was and expecting so, that to go. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you could you could use that and like use it as a mount 
because you can ride pigs, but you could also ride the the balloon pig. Okay. Or you could take your slingshot and pop the balloon pig to oh. get the key out and a pork chop. So that's that's a humor of the game. Okay. <laughs> it's just really funny. That's huh. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah. There there are some there are some a bit dark darker turns in the game as well, but I think yeah. it's hilarious. I okay. think it's pretty cool. Huh. Well, that's Kinseed. Uh on the topic of uh hilarious turns, um Sui, how's uh how's Train Valley 2? <laughs> I love it. Um so it's a game that came out a long time ago. Um I played, I played the, first the first one. one. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, and I loved it so much. So basically it's this like little indie puzzle game um where you have like different stations and you need to move trains from one place to another to move resources around and then you got to get um x resources to your uh like main station city station uh to finish the level and it's just a fun little thing and so i start playing the second game as one of my no guilt games is what i call them so basically i have this list of games that you know i don't stream they're for me they're for me to enjoy on my own without any pressure of streaming it or anything. And um, so this game is on that. And I started playing it last night and it's been a really good time because... Okay, so the thing I love about it is there's not one solution. So you don't need to like spend forever trying to figure out the solution. However, you can optimize it as much as you want. But at the end of the day, if a level is hard you can literally just have at it for a really long time and eventually you will probably beat it. So yeah, no, I, I remember playing through most of the first one I and quite enjoying it. It was one of those games that I played through with my ex. We just put it up on the TV and just sat there and plucked away at it. Uh, took turns doing puzzles or like yelling at each other when the thing wasn't in the right place. And it was good fun. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. never did play the second one because I remember it came out at a time when I just wouldn't stream that kind of game. I'm like, I don't want to stream that. And so I just didn't play. <laughs> um, but uh, glad right. that it's holding up and comparable to the first. Yeah. Um, also, if you want to go back to Zomboid, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I um, was going to go to Vampire Survivors and go to News. but <laughs> No, no. Let, let's see. Talk about okay, Zomboid. Talk about Zomboid. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've been having a really good time with it. Um, I've been doing a community server uh, where everyone who's in my Discord server can join in. And it's been a good time because, you know, we get to go on all these different adventures. A lot of times I'm just sitting at, uh, like, the home base we made, which is a place that there aren't even any zombies because it's just, like, really out in the middle of nowhere. And um, So what you're saying is, like, the game is very boring because nothing exciting happens? Oh, no, blind. because oh. everyone needs to go out to, like, people need to go out to the main cities to go get loot and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I And then, like, Continue we're building a cute little, like... I'm just being a douche, don't mind me. We are calling it the commune, and, like, we're just creating, like, this really cute little uh, area where we all live together, and we have these little houses, and, you know, we have a building that's for a kitchen, a building that's a tailor shop, we got a med bay, we got... A warehouse, a library, we got so, like a mechanic I, shop. I, I've I've actually watched a little bit of you streaming this commune and I have a question. Are they still making you do all the building or like are they actually helping? No, 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 no they've started building 
they've okay, started building, good. which I'm very happy about. <laughs> I felt quite um, bad initially when I was just watching you chopping logs. I was like, oh god, that does not look entertaining. I enjoy it, to be honest. I enjoy Fair. that. I just don't like the creativity needed. It's like, it, if you have, like, four like... people, I think it's a lot of fun if you've got people, like, on voice. But, like, if you're just doing that by yourself, it's like, this is a slog. I like that, though. That's the thing, right? Back when I played Minecraft, like, because I played it obsessively um, back in, like, 2011 to 2014, right? And the thing about it is I liked just going down and mining or just going through some tedious loop of trying to get some resource. Like, that is what I enjoyed. I mean, so... my, my, my favorite thing to do in Project Zomboid is just, like, go jack a car and then drive into town with, like, a baseball bat. <laughs> just like, that's all right, how much food can I get? <laughs> and that's that's how I play Zomboid. It's, like, fill the trunk up with canned food and just go for, like, four or five days until I die, maybe with two, three people helping, and then do it again. And, like, never actually build the base Sorry? up because I'm not a huge fan of the survival crafting part, but, like, the actual, like, let's just, let's just role play the warriors but with zombies. Let's go. It's <laughs> very fun to me. Yeah, I'm a huge survival crafting nerd, actually. Mm -hmm. I love a good survival crafting game. Like, that you is... You play CDDA. Uh, people keep telling me that, and I'm, I've been thinking about it. I'm definitely thinking about chugging it out. It's more tedious than Dwarf Fortress, but you should play CDDA. <laughs> people keep telling me I'd like it, so... I don't, I don't know if you would, honestly, but you might. Or at the very least, it would give you a lot more perspective of what Zomboid could be if they didn't lose their source code twice. <laughs> they lost their source code uh, twice? One, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, How? They had to How was... This is this happened a couple of years. There was pretty big news in like I think it was like 2016, but like they had they were like so there's gonna be no updates for like two years because we lost our source code and have to rewrite the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, uh, which is also I think why I remember something like that. Yeah, it's, it's why multiplayer and single player are so desynced, and yeah, but like, and why the game blew up again was because that was when they finally caught up with like rewriting their code. Yeah, no, the multiplayer is great, and then I've been, yeah, I'm really excited for the new patch that's going to be coming up eventually because they're going to add animals and NPCs and. Yeah, that's probably like that's when I'll jump back time. in. Is is when there's yeah. NPCs. That that's when I'll play that game again. Is because like I I I feel like modding Zomboid just adds more to Zomboid, and for me Zomboid was always a, it was a very wide game, but it wasn't a very deep game. Like yeah, there's a lot of things you can do in Zomboid, but like I want more depth. I want more than just all right. Yeah. Let's make the number go up and make the skill faster. That's not interesting to me. I want like more things to do in the game aside from just running away from a helicopter. So like, and, and I say that as somebody who definitely paid full price for that game and got like 80 hours out of it, right? Like I've played plenty of that game. Um, it's very good little zombie survival game. I'm just, I need more, if that makes sense mm -hmm. for me to really stick to something like that for an extended yeah. period of time. I wish that like all the different ways to level up your skills weren't just click button, wait for action to finish. And there yeah. was, like, some actual, like, I don't know, even a QTE would add a lot, you know? Ooh, absolutely. <laughs> Bad. Um, that, that, you just gave me, like, a PTSD about games with uh, QTEs. God, uh, 
terrifying. Um, no, I, I, I think what? for me, like, I, I hate QTE events. They're awful. Um, as somebody who doesn't uh, see well, like, I, if, if oh, a game has QTEs, yeah, I will okay. alt F4 yeah, yeah. the game and never play it again because not worth it. Um, but uh, I, I will say that, like, for for me, like I think that's almost just like a systemic problem with survival crafting games. I also really dislike the like click thing, number go up a little bit, or sit there and read a book, or watch TV or whatever. I I also don't like that, and that is the reason I don't play m most survival crafting games because I've never found one that doesn't have that. <laughs> I enjoy it, but having a little variety, you know, like oh with tailoring, maybe you have to, you know move your mouse a certain way to follow a pattern or something like that you know yeah. um that would be I, nice I, I, but I, I don't think it's necessary i i like so. games that are knowledge like player knowledge based if that makes sense so like oh but the me. problem is allowing for it to the, the issue is making it not into just like a ricky wiki reading fest where it's just like okay you need the game to organically give you the information slowly over time, but also at the same time that information needs to be discoverable. And I think a lot of games that try to just be purely information-based end up falling into the trap of now it's too obtuse and then you just can't organically learn it. You have to read a wiki, which I'm personally fine with just sitting there and reading a wiki. But at the same time, there there are very few games I've ever played in my life that are organically knowledge-based um, with the exception of a few traditional roguelikes. Like I would I would describe something like NetHack as organically knowledge-based because if you pay 100% attention to all of the text in the game, you can organically learn as the player what you need to do to solve a situation, but that requires a lot of dedication from the player. And, I, and it's also a really difficult thing to develop for, and it requires really long development cycles and a lot of iteration. And a lot of commercial products just don't have the ability to do that. I think my thing is I don't like very knowledge-based games in that way. Like, I think Dwarf Fort, not Dwarf Fort, <laughs> Zomboid is about as far as I go in that. Uh, because, like, Zomboid, you do slowly learn over time, and there is a lot of knowledge to learn and all of that. But it doesn't, th it doesn't throw it at you to the same degree some games do. Like, to give like, you an idea of a game that I would describe as a knowledge-based game is My Summer Car. All right, you better know how a car works, and also can I, I hope you can read Finnish. But like, yeah. if you yeah. in that game, if you start like googling stuff in like the car parts magazines, like that's how you have to play that game. It's like literally like start typing in like these weird Finnish engine parts to figure out what you need to order uh -huh. on your computer in that game in Finnish. But like, you know, like that it's that's not a game I'll ever play because I just I don't enjoy building cars. But like, that's a good example of a game that I would describe as purely knowledge based because like mm -hmm. if you speak Finnish and know how cars work, you can just sit down and play that game. It's just a matter of figuring out how to make money in the game, which is like going and like pumping out the septic tanks and whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, no, no, no. The way I am, I do not like knowledge games very much. Like, I think part of it, honestly, is just like burnout from school still. You know, I haven't fully gotten over that. I mean, you only you know. just finished school. I know. I finished school less than a year ago, right? Yeah, so that, I'm still kind of burnt out from that. And that yep. type of thing is just, like, still too schooly for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. We all have our things, right? And also, I, I haven't been to school since, like, 2008, so. <laughs> yeah, I feel you like know. once I have a little more time, maybe, like, another year, I'll probably be more interested in that type of game. But for the exact moment, it's just like, uh 
I, I, I would like hold off on CDDA for a bit then, because CDDA kind of throws the book at you like that. Okay. But it is very much, in a lot of ways, single-player Zomboid, but turn-based with a bajillion more mechanics. So... I've I've been thinking about doing some hardcore zomboid runs too because like there's people doing 16 times population and the most I've done is like normal one times. Yeah, I've never cranked up the population on that. So but... I want to try you it. Try for a special stream. Yeah. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, true. Just like start bashing your head against the wall and see how far you can get. Might be fun. Yeah, I mean. I'll probably do that when I'm done with the uh, community server I'm running at the moment because, you know, eventually we're going to get tired of it. We're not tired of it yet, but we're starting to run out of things to do. Yeah. Well, that, that was always the problem that I had with Zomboid is to just kind of run out of things to do at a point. But looking forward to them adding Cleanse animals. the world. Cleanse the world. They respawn, though. I know. Like, but then you, only... you never run so out of things to do. You can turn it off. That's, that's, you that's can turn not... respawn off. I know you there can. There you go. Turn it off and cleanse the wells. That's, that's something just, I try to do. That's just killing more zombies. That's like, come on. Yeah. Give me some actual things to do. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that, like, for me, my perfect iteration of a game like that would be something that's like a weird mix of, like, Escape from Tarkov as well as a zombie game, survival game, like Project Zomboid, all in one big world, where, like, People send you out on quests, and it spawns stuff into the world for those quests to give you unique, like, encounters that are either generated or scripted. Like, I, I wouldn't really care at that point because, like, that's, like, that's the neat thing about something like Tarkov is you go into a world, and it's like, all right, I have to get to this door, unlock this door because I have the key in my inventory for this door, which I got from a different map. When I unlock this door, inside of that thing is an item that's extremely valuable that is now going to go into my inventory and it goes into the part of my inventory that doesn't go into my safe box so if i die i lose it and also there's gonna be five players camping that door because they know that somebody on the map probably is going to show up to unlock that door when he comes out with the item you kill him and take the item from him and mm -hmm. if there was stuff like that in zomboid i think that the game would stick a lot more for me because suddenly there's like all right there's an objective but also there's a reason for me to exist in this rather shallow world that doesn't have enough in it by itself to keep me interested for more than, well, 80 hours, which was a lot of, a lot of time, honestly. Yeah, it's a mean, decent amount of time, yeah. How many hours do I have in it? Hold on. Let's check Pro this real probably quick. Probably And then we're all going to check. But I think that sounds like a fun game mode. Yeah. I have I, 281 I mean, hours. Yeah, but that's, that's, the, that's, that's rookie numbers you're getting there. You're past the early game. I've only got 31 hours. <laughs> I think you you just played on our community servers, right? I think so. I might I might have played a bit before that, but mm -hmm. certainly not a lot. Well, speaking of uh, destroying lots and lots of things and making piles of waste in the path that you travel, uh, how's Vampire uh, Survivors? <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. So I I only recently got to it because of version one. And before that, I just stayed clear of it. But now a DLC came out um, called Legacy of the Moonspell. And I thought, you know, why not? It's it's one of those games I have one to 100% at some point. So let's let's go and check out that DLC too. And it's it's fun. It adds a new, at least one new, uh, I don't know, stage level, I suppose. Um, on a mountain with snow. And it's 
perfect for me, but it's so difficult. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's good fun. New new items and such. I haven't completed it yet, but I've, I've been playing every now and then on my Steam Deck. PC Enjoy Gamer's it. favorite roguelike of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, like I immediately got that set to be an idea. It's like PC Gamer doesn't know what a roguelike is. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool looking game though. It's it's nice to see that 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 game like you know put out a DLC and people support it and be like we need to yeah. give this person more money. <laughs> like the amount of time some people have sucked into that game is a little bit insane. Yeah, <laughs> and so and you it's know. so cheap again. Yeah, it's it's like five bucks. It's um, probably on sale now. <laughs> so yeah, no. Yeah, it's... so the DLC would be two euros, and now it's on sale as well. So it's one eighty. It's four dollars and seventy nine cents like, Canadian. A thing for the, for the yeah. base game and the super, DLC super is super cheap. Uh, the deal, yeah, the DLC is two dollars and fifteen cents. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, sure, throw money at that thing. Yeah, for yeah. for lots and lots of new content with new new characters and levels and such. Yeah, well, definitely good value. Speaking of new content, I think it's time for us to uh, go to a real quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the news which gets to talk about new content for a thing that I'm excited about and Kiri's also excited about. I don't know yes. if Sui's excited about this one, but um, huh? and then uh, we get to talk about a funny lawsuit. And then uh, that'll be it for this holiday edition of this Halcyon Frequency podcast. We'll be right back after this. Yeah. And we're back with this holiday-flavored edition of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, episode 49. We're going to be talking about the news this week. And uh, the first one is a very exciting story, which is something that I was hoping for, and uh, Kiri's also excited about, so I'm going to let you take this one. Yes. So, Risk of Rain is coming back. I know there's a Risk of Rain 2, and that released not too long ago, I think. But I couldn't play it, because it was, like, not 2D. Was it first person, actually? I'm not sure. Third person, yeah, but I still couldn't play it. But I've played so much Risk of Rain, just Risk of Rain, the first one. And I 100 presented it, and like, way, way back when, 2014 actually. And it was so much fun, I loved it. And now Risk of Rain Returns is, is a new game they're working on. Hopu Games, I've just been told, is the developer. Um, and they, they're taking Risk of Rain and making it new kind of they're saying it's going to be a whole new game so i'm i'm super excited about this honestly i already asked mystery to play it with me again because that's what we did back then um risk of rain one was a game that i was very torn about when it came out because i loved it mechanically and i loved playing it but could never get the multiplayer to work (laughs) and Mm. um for the last like several months maybe even two years at this point it feels like um like I, I played a lot of Risk of Rain two. Like I put like four hundred hours into Risk of Rain two. Um, I think Risk of Rain two is a terribly great game, and the reason I say terribly great is, while I do think they made a really smooth transition from two D to three D, there's just some things in that game that you'll just die and you didn't see what hit you. Um, and I never felt that in the first one. Right there was it was always yeah. like you were. It's very clear what killed you. Um, yeah, like you see that missile coming in, and you're going no 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 no. But like in in Risk of Terrain 2, because it's a 3D game, there's stuff that'll just smack you. 
And as somebody like, I, I don't get motion sickness from that type of game, but I don't see well. So mm -hmm. there's large whole characters in that game that I just straight up can't play. Um, which eventually pushed me away from Risk of Rain 2 and made the game become frustrating because there's three characters in that game that I can play competently. And then there's a bunch of characters in that game that I just can't play. And as somebody who streams these games, I want to be able to stream these games. And it turns out that two of the three characters I like playing are considered newbie, air quotes, characters by the main community and will openly mock you if you play those characters. Oh, you're playing Engie, you noob. What um, a horrible community. It kind of sucks. So like, yeah. it, and because I didn't play the meta characters at a high level, uh, people would like tune out of my streams. So it made it like an unpleasant game to play and also an unpleasant mm. game to stream. And the kind of sad part about that is I genuinely love the game and I continued to play it off stream for about a year every couple of weeks with friends on vo in a voice chat, but even then, like, they keep adding content to that to the sequel, which is just harder, more precise, more more specific, requires faster reaction times, better spatial awareness, because that's what the community wants, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. it just drives me further away because I have to play these slow-moving characters that aren't good at that. And yeah. eventually I just fell off of it. And I still love the game. I really, really do like Risk of Rain 2, but... For the past year and a bit, I've just been like, man, if only they would just like patch Risk of Rain 1 so that the multiplayer worked. Like, don't do anything. Yeah. Just patch it. Just patch it. <laughs> um, which I know sounds easy, but I don't know anything about how netcode works. Um, so I, I say it like it's easy, but it might not be easy. And uh, so I just kind of expected that to never happen. And then a couple weeks ago, it was announced that Gearbox, um, love them or hate them, I kind of hate them, uh, have bought the Risk of Rain IP. So they now own the Risk of Rain IP entirely. And large portions of the last Risk of Rain 2 DLC was developed by Gearbox in-house, not by Hopo Games. Um, and in during the development cycle of the DLC that released for Risk of Rain 2, they were working on this, which is Risk of Rain Returns, which they describe as not just a remake of Risk of Rain 1 in, two, in a, like a flat 2D platformer scale, but apparently they're adding a ton of new items that were new in Risk of Rain 2, um, they're adding new areas, they're adding new playable characters, they're adding tons of stuff. So, and also modern netcode. <laughs> so I'm really curious to see what this ends up being. And I, I, I'm a little worried. I, like, I, I, I don't want it to go in the same direction as Risk of Rain 2 did, which is like the, like, I, Risk of Rain 1 was always a brutally difficult game, but I, I hope that they're able to keep it fair feeling because Risk of Rain 2 stopped feeling fair at a point. I just mm -hmm. hope that they're able to keep that. I, I think it's like just an artifact of the fact that it's a 2D game versus a 3D game, but as long as they're yeah. able to keep it feeling fair, very excited to play this. Very, 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 very excited to play this. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was so I was so bummed when they announced Risk of Rain 2 as a 3D game. Cause yeah. Yeah, you, you have trouble with some of the characters. At least you can play the others, right? I I took one look at it and I'm like, well that sucks. I can't play this at all. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited about Risk of Frame Returns. Yeah, I I'm super super keen on this. I the pixel art looks really really nice, and uh, as long as they're able to keep the animations clear and it doesn't go directly down a bullet hell route or something, I should be able to play. Yeah. So yeah. Which you know I mean. Of course, to play then. I I think my my skill ceiling will be lower than your average person. Probably won't be able to hundred percent it and whatnot, but that's fine. I, I will still play it. Looking forward to this. Yes. My only real concern about it, though, is that it is Gearbox Publishing, which makes me go, 
all right, so everything after this that's related to risk of rain, I'm going to be looking at under a microscope. Like if they make a risk of rain three at some point, it's like 2D or 3D. I will be squinting at it going, hmm. Mm. I don't trust it because Gearbox is very hit and miss with their games. And I've still got a lot of bad blood with them when it comes to them ruining franchises that I've enjoyed in the past. So a lot of skepticism on this one, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Next up here, uh, we have a fun little headline here, which uh, I have on Tom's hardware uh, written by Brendan Hill. And this is uh, gamers sue to block Microsoft's $69 billion Activision deal. So, I'm not a lawyer, so bear with me here, but uh, I'm just going to read this, like the first line of this uh, verbatim, uh, which is two weeks ago, uh, we learned that Microsoft is facing a heat from the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, over its proposed deal to acquire Activision Blizzard for nearly $69 billion. Uh, now it appears that the FTC isn't the only group looking to throw a cold water on this blockbuster deal. A private consumer lawsuit filed in California court also targets Microsoft. So 10... Uh, people, fans, quite literally, um, have, pri- have filed a private civil lawsuit out of California um, to, quote, uh, the video game industry may lose a substantial competition and Microsoft may have an, a far outsized market power with the ability to foreclose rivals and limit output to reduce consumer choice and raise pr- prices uh, and further inhibit competition, which is... Not wrong, but I'm not entirely certain how much I, I, I might be in a weird position, but I don't know how much leverage Activision Blizzard actually has in the PC space. King on the mobile space, sure. Yes, very much. But I wish them all the best. I, 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 I think that this is interesting. I, I think it's a curveball that I wasn't expecting. I mean, I was expecting the FTC to get involved at some point, but yeah. A consumer lawsuit's interesting. I can see where they're coming, though, because, like, there's a few main ones, right? There's, like, if once these combine, it's going to be Microsoft, and then it's going to be Embracer, and I believe there's a few others. But, like, there's not many AAA companies that's just a company by itself anymore, you know? Like, it's most, like, it's if you're a company by yourself, you're an indie, pretty much, at this point. I don't know how much I actually agree with that. I mean, like, at, th- at this point, Blizzard is Overwatch, which is doing great, I hear. Everybody loves that game. Uh, Diablo, Call of Duty, which is, you know, they put out a good Call of Duty for the first time in, like, six, seven years. Um, and then uh, World of Warcraft, which is also doing great, and people love it. And then Candy Crush? Um, and, uh, well, we don't, start about, we don't talk about StarCraft anymore because that game's dead. So, like, yes, but also, I don't know. I don't play any of them, but. I mean, they're all big games in their own right, but it's like, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just brainwashed, but I'm I'm at the point now where I look at, like, the main staples of Activision Blizzard King's output, and I go, I don't think they're worth $69 billion, but I, okay. Uh, with the Overwatch, they might be. Overwatch <laughs> okay. is doing a lot lately, from what I sure. know. Sure, sure, 
Sure. Well, like yeah, there's definitely. the new Overwatch two and stuff, and like yeah, and everybody that's hates really it. Popular. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it. everyone's playing it. Who's they everyone? all hate it, but they also play it. Who's well, everyone? I know. I know, like Subway and his friends play it. Okay, who's everyone? And they hate it, but they <laughs> play it. Huh? Who's everyone? Well, I'm I'm sure there's enough the, people the, playing it. I'm yeah, sure. that's kind of the thing. It's like a lot of people who play shooters. There's are also a lot it. of people playing Counter Strike, right? That's fair. There's a lot of people playing a lot of video games, but anyway, it's still really I, popular. I, from what I, I, I know. wish them all the best, and I, I hope that their lawsuit goes well and doesn't, you know, cost them a lot of money and not do much. So. But I think that kind of brings us to the end of this here episode of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. So I just want to wish everybody out there a happy holidays to whatever holiday you celebrate. Uh, happy Yule. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Um, I'm for probably forgetting something. But um, Kiri, who are you and where can people find you on the internet? Aside from, obviously, eating Christmas dinner. <laughs> I'm Kiri and you can find me mainly on Twitch, but for for easiest way com, and then you find all my links there. And Suey. Yeah, I'm Suey, S-U-W-E-Y. Um, you can find me on Twitch slash Suey, YouTube at Suey, or if you want to see my VOD archive, it's at Suey Streams, and Twitter at Suey Streams as well. And I'm blind. I play too much Dwarf Fortress. If you just type in blind Dwarf Fortress, you'll probably find me somewhere. And uh, screw Twitter. Um, you, you can find me at uh, blindirl at mas or at blindirl at mas.to on Mastodon. And uh, if you want to find more episodes of this podcast, you can find this at halcyonfrequency.com, where we have links to our Discord. If you want to discuss this podcast, you can uh, get uh, a link to the Discord via the website. And then there's uh, like a room on the Discord where you can talk about the podcast and ask us questions and yell at us when we forget to link things in places. Uh, if you can't find this podcast on a podcast platform of your choice, uh, please let me know and I will make it appear there, although I think we should be everywhere at this point. Um, and uh, aside from that, new episodes go up every Sunday. So until next week... Don't change that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency, signing off. Happy holidays. <laughs>